2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 19. Anybody thankful to be in the house of God tonight? Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 19. We will read this great, great passage of scripture. I'm going to read this from my study Bible that I received in the mail this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 19. And then, just for kicks, I'm going to read the notes that are associated with it. Praise God. Verse number 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Amen. The work of Calvary is God making provision for reconciliation of the world back to himself. This is not done on some parochial level, but is the great cosmic drama being played out in the theater of the universe. It is this very word which brings such reconciliation that has been committed to the church. And that would be us. Amen. You're involved in something that is bitter, bigger than a small drama. It's a cosmic drama. It includes the entire world. And we are to go out and we are to do a work in the world. Do you believe that God is big enough to use you to impact the world? Did you, did you know that there have been individuals that have come into church and made contact with people outside of the framework of their local city and place and state? And churches have been started, missions, works have been started around the world that came out of somebody testifying about the goodness of God. Don't ever shortchange or limit what you are able to do just by saying God's a good God to somebody and watch amazing things happen as God does great, great things. Amen. I want to preach from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 19 for a few moments here tonight that God would give us an agenda, that he would lay out an agenda for us that's worthy of pursuing. Doesn't the scripture say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So there is a pursuit that we should be involved in. There is a, a direction that we should be involved in. There is an agenda that we should be involved in. Thank God we're here in the house of God tonight uh, to be strengthened by that. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We ask that you would direct us tonight in Jesus' name. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the worship of the saints in the house of God tonight. Thankful for a freedom and liberty that I feel in the presence of God. We give to you gratitude and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So in this passage of scripture, God moves to reconcile a fallen human race to himself, a fallen world. One of the greatest promises that is ever made is made to Abraham. And God calls Abraham out of where he is, the Ur of the Chaldees, and he makes a promise to him that I'm going to make your descendants as the sand of the seashore. Let's say that five times fast, sand of the seashore. And stars of the sky, I'm going to make a promise to you. Abraham trusted in that and believed in that. That promise 
starting from, from small things, a small word. Abraham is directed out of there. He doesn't see the fruit of that uh, quickly. It is something that takes time, and God works and molds and shapes Abraham. But out of that promise comes a nation that testifies of the one true God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4, this was their mantra. This was their Shema. This is something that was to be heard. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, it was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all thy might. Have you worshiped God tonight with all your might? I know you may have come in here from a long day, but our life, our life, not a moment, not a moment, but our life should be something that we serve God with everything that we have, everything that we can muster. God wants that. And so this nation, this is what they proclaimed. This is what they said in the hearing of those that were around them. This was God's agenda. He was reaching out to a world. He was trying to reconnect what had been severed in the garden based on a choice that was made by humanity. It was a bad choice. It was the wrong choice. And God is trying to reconcile humanity once again to himself. And so we see this as it is played out over the centuries. Through the Old Testament, we follow this and we see God working to reconcile. As a matter of fact, in the text that we read, it says to wit that God was in Christ doing that reconciling, that work of reconciliation. He is reaching. He is trying to make things right. If you come tonight in the house of God and you think God is a God that is aloof from you, is not concerned about you, is not interested in you, I'm standing at this holy desk here tonight to tell you that is a lie. You may be listening to the wrong person, listening to the wrong enemy. It might be the accuser of the brethren because God is in fact interested in you. He's interested in your life. He's interested in the purpose that you have for your life. And I'm here to tell you there is more than what is in this life. God wants to give to us something that is greater, greater. Somebody say greater. He's interested in greater things. I came to the house of God tonight expecting greater things. You say, well, I have arrived. Well, I haven't. I'm looking for greater things. And that may get me in trouble sometimes because I'm always looking. And it is, isn't that good enough? No, because we, we can go higher. We can reach farther. We can dig deeper. Yeah, but that was pretty good. It was good, but it's not good enough because it's never good enough until the Lord returns. We got to do our very best. We got to stretch ourselves as far as we can because there is a world. Amen. Praise God. So I'm looking for greater things about that yourself here tonight. There's some things that I'm sure that you would like to see God work on. So God is always working on trying to reconcile. Jesus Christ culminates that history and proclaims the kingdom of God. There is no, well, I shouldn't say that. There are great verses, so there can't be greater verses, but this is a great verse. How's that? Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. That sonship had a beginning in the visage and the 
becoming of Jesus Christ who manifests himself as the unseen God. That's the beginning of the sonship. There is no such thing as an eternal son. There's a word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So the word was with God. It flows out of God. It's the plan of God, the statement of God, the word of God. That was with God in the beginning. But the sonship has a beginning. There is no eternal person in terms of this sonship, but this passage of Scripture says it so distinctly and so well and proclaims in proclamation, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons and because you are sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying Abba Father. Ultimately at the root of all of that God the son that comes and the spirit that is sent it's God doing the work trying to reconcile humanity back to himself. God always does his part there's nothing wrong with what God does it's our problem sometimes because we don't do our part but we're in the house of God tonight to do our part which is I'm going to pursue the God that's pursuing me and when there is a collision of that pursuit good things happen Pat said, go ahead, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm having some trouble with the connection. Please try again in a moment. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, that's pretty powerful. When you're preaching, and you all were responding, that's fantastic. But if nobody was responding and your iPad series starts saying, I'm listening, go ahead. That's pretty good. That is really good. That's, I've never had that happen before. Have any of you ever had that happen? I'm telling you, that's some pristine preaching when Siri starts talking back to you. Come on now. Wow. Praise God. So, so, sit down and listen, I'm teaching. God commits this legacy to 12 men. One of them betrays him and leads to Christ's death. He was born to die. He was rejected by his own. And he was vindicated by God through his resurrection. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. He is a resurrected God. This is why in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, Peter says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is a risen Christ, and he's both Lord and Christ. Assuredly, you need to know this. You don't serve a dead God, you serve a living 
God. This is why in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And what is that name? That name is Jesus in the name, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. There is, a, there is an agenda that God puts before us and gives us an opportunity to take hold of the mantle, to put our hands on the plow and say, God, this is worth giving my life, my breath, everything that is in me, I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to pursue that divine direction and that mission, the mission of God. There's a lot of missions in this world, but there's no greater mission than being involved in the kingdom of God, doing the work of God, preaching the word of God, proclaiming the word of God. Galatians chapter one and verse number six, that mission, that agenda, that plan, that was given, that starts from the very beginning, that mission of God, that starts from the beginning, a reconciling, that culminates in Jesus Christ, that establishes a church, and then we are called into that church to be used of God. You are not here by happenstance. God has called you. He's called you to be saints. To be saints of what? He has called you to be saints of his kingdom. There is a kingdom. This is what we preach. This is what we teach. That what you see in this world, it's a world that fails. It's a world that is limited. It is a world that will let you down. But there's another world and another kingdom that is greater than all the kingdoms of this world. And God calls us to be saints of that kingdom. I don't want to be a saint of the world. I want to be a saint of the kingdom of God. I want to pursue the presence of God. I want to pursue the things of God. Not everything may go good in this world. There's going to be a lot of disappointments, but I'm not operating only on what I feel in this world. I'm operating based on the Holy Ghost that is in me that gives me the ability to say, this is not all there is. There is something that is greater. God, clap your hands and thank the Lord that he has called us to a holy calling. That's why Paul said in Galatians as he's speaking to that church, I marvel in chapter 1 and verse number 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Watch this. But though we are an angel from heaven, Brother Richard Ross sent me a text today. It was a really cool one. It was somebody that moved into the neighborhood, and they put up a sign. Everybody's putting up ghosts, goblins, all this kind of stuff. And they put up a sign at their door, and it said the only ghost that's going to be in this house or coming by this house is the Holy Ghost. 
I mean, if you really had the time and the effort and you wanted to do it, wouldn't that be kind of funny? I mean, put in your yard the fruit of the Spirit. It's joy, peace, amidst all the dark stuff and the goblins and the ghosts and all that scary stuff. The only ghost that's in this house is the Holy Ghost. And he doesn't bring darkness and evil and void and dysfunction and all of that stuff. But he brings a peace and a joy and a long-suffering and an uplifting. Praise God. He said, I, I, I marvel, though, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, the second time, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I want you to nudge your neighbor and I want you to tell them you are a servant. You are a servant of Christ. Paul said, I'm not pleasing men. I am, I am pleasing God. I am a servant of Christ. And I've been delivered a mission of God that goes all the way back to the beginning that Jesus Christ gave his life. It is a gospel message, and I don't care, he said, if an angel from heaven shows up. Now, how are you going to know that? I don't know. <laughs> Hello, I'm from heaven. I've come to preach a gospel to you. I don't know how that works. It'd probably scare you really good. But then he said, though we, meaning that those that were given the gospel and it was the responsibility if we start preaching something different or even if some angel comes out of somewhere and starts preaching to you something different let him be accursed because Paul would say there's only one gospel and there is only one way because Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life this place is not a place of universalism you can't say well you know Buddha will kind of get you there and Hare Krishna will kind of get you there and Muhammad will kind of get you there and, 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 and somehow everybody's going to the same place not according to the gospel that I'm reading that Jesus Christ gave his life for that Paul is saying is the gospel for when they ask men and brethren what shall we do Peter said you must repent and be baptized in Jesus name every one of you for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that's the mission of God and we got to take up that mission we got to proclaim that mission we got to testify that mission we got to take on the mantle of the mission of God it is God's agenda when you sit down and you sit down in a conference room and, and everybody's getting together and you're going to do something and you're going to accomplish something, you had better hope, ladies and gentlemen. You had better pray, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you there are some things that are not much. It's, it's bad and there are not many things worse. Get that out there. Than sitting in a place where there's no agenda and everybody's just going to give their opinion. You 
want to slide into a real dark place. <laughs> Sit in a place where there's no agenda and we're not getting anything done, but everybody has an opportunity to talk, 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 talk. Knock me out, knock me over. I hope there's somebody that says, okay, here's what we got. These are the things we got to, now we got to stick to this, all right? And it's really nice sometimes to have people when, when it's going off the rails and everybody's talking about this and something. How do we get to talking about bass fishing and elk hunting and something else when we're supposed to be talking about the financial statement? You better hope somebody's there to say, hey, wait a minute. The agenda says here we got to finish this and we got to move on to this. We've got something laid out. There's a structure to this. And so everybody's time is important, and so we got to get into this thing. We got to do our best to get things done, and then we got to get out and put it into action. There's nothing worse than a bunch of people talking about stuff and not doing anything. Have you ever met somebody that knows how to do everything, but they themselves won't do it? Man, you talk about a burr under the saddle. I know it all that has all the answers but doesn't do anything. You know what I want? I want somebody that talks about it and then does it. Has vision and then goes after it, puts it into action. This is what the early church was all about. It was about we can't sit here in Jerusalem just talking about all the things that Jesus did and the miracles and the power said we were going to receive we got to get out of an upper room and we got to go out and do what he said to do which was to reach the whole world they could have said how's that even going to be possible we're just 12 individuals and 120 people in an upper room but they got a hold of the mission of God that said I don't care how many of us there are God is greater God's bigger God's stronger God is able and he's committed to us to go out and reach our world so we're going to do it and they impacted an entire world. As a matter of fact, in one place, they called them those people that have turned the world upside down. What I want to know is, are we turning people's world upside down? Well, that was terrible. You sh Somebody should have said, yeah. We are and jump to your feet. Instead, we sit back in condemnation. I'm talking about doing something for the kingdom of God that is so powerful that when people come into this place, they feel the anointing of God and the touch of God, and it turns their world upside down. Praise God. God has called us to the mission of God. That mission's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to take you out of your comfort zone, and it's going to stretch you. There's a height, there is a, a depth, there is a breadth. And God constantly is trying to stretch us in the pursuit of the mission of God. And and you're not going to like this. It's the job of the ministry to make sure that we're always stretched. Now, I understand there's a, there's a delicate balance because you can only do so much. But, but if there's no proclamation that doesn't stretch us, we're in big trouble. If we sit and get satisfied, that is not, that is not a good place and it's not a good place where revival happens. 
Where revival happens is when, when, when we feel like, God, you're taking me somewhere that I'm not so sure I'm really comfortable with this because I've got all my insecurities and all my fears and i got all this other stuff going through my head and in my mind, and I don't know if I can do that. And God says, yes, you can. Yes, you can because the divine mission, the mission that I gave my life for from the very beginning when I made a promise to Abraham all the way to Calvary was entrusting you. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. You. I want you to do a work for the kingdom of God. You can do it. You can go through it. You can be it. God has called you. God's called you. And so he pushes us and he prods us and he motivates us and he develops servants out of us. People that enjoy serving in the kingdom of God. This is what he desires from us. These people are not visionaries that devise a brilliant plan and then by personal charisma draw others to fulfill those amb ambitions. That's not what it's about. You look at the scripture, you don't see many people that accomplished a whole lot just by their personality and their charisma. The ones that were charismatic and had a lot of charisma got in a lot of trouble. Saul was a great example. He operated on his talents and abilities and his charisma, and it didn't fit into the mission of God. This is one of the reasons why there's a real strong rub between apostolic truth and charismatic experiences in a charismatic religious world because it all operates on feeling and emotion and charisma of somebody and how many likes and all this kind of stuff. Truth is deeper than that because that person, that person will let you down. That person will, you'll, you'll find out stuff that's, that's not, that's hypocritical in nature. They'll go off the rails on a lot of different kind of stuff. They'll pursue a lot of different things that, that are not aligned with the will of God. When you get into the mission of God, you recognize and understand this is not about brilliance and, and charismatic feelings and all this kind of stuff and, and then drawing other people to those ambitions. you got to have something that is deep-rooted, that anchors you despite personality, despite all of that, there's an anchor of truth that says I am anchored into the mission of God and the plan of God and the work of God. And that is what fulfills me and drives me. They are, these people are faithful stewards of what God calls them to do. I want you to fish and feed. I want you to evangelize the lost. I want you to edify the saved. I want you to establish vital churches. I want you to have a razor sharp focus. This is being called into the mission of God. This is what God is intending for us. And Paul exemplifies this kind of focus when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words lest the cross should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Paul was one of the first ones to tell you that he was not somebody that was wise with words and, and, and could sway you. But man, there was something about Paul's experience and his doctrine and his teaching that was powerful that impacted an entire world. What are you saying? I'm saying you got to get truth in the inward parts. I'm saying buy the truth and sell it not. I'm saying hold on to it. 
like an anchor in the midst of a lot of storm, stormy seas, difficulties, turbulences. God, I'm hanging on to something that is greater than what I want and my will. I'm trusting in you and I'm following your will. Part of that mission of God, the mission of God, the power of God. What I'm trying to elevate into your thinking here tonight is, is very simplistic. Is having a mentality that I am a VIP, not by world standards, but because God has called me to participate in what he's doing to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. He's called us into the word of reconciliation. And so what I'm trying, I'm trying to raise the specter of you seeing, man, I'm, I'm in the right place. <laughs> I have great opportunity because I'm in the house of God and the opportunity that is before me is the mission of God. Instead of pursuing something outside of that, things that is fool's gold, chasing after stuff that really, really doesn't matter, I'm anchored in something that is eternal and something that is sovereign. Man, I'm doing what needs to be done. I'm living my life. I am not perfect. I understand that. But I'm striving to make sure that I'm following the mission and purpose of God. That is what elevates me and it elevates everybody around me and it becomes my focus. Every decision that I make I think about how does this impact the kingdom of God and the mission of God because God has called me to greater things I'm not doing something that is just something that transitions and is transitory and passes away and fades away I'm in this for eternal consequences and significance God has called me to great things and I have the privilege of being in his kingdom and operating under his authority this is a good place to be. And when that becomes your mentality and the way that you think and the way that you operate, you can do powerful things in God because the Holy Ghost is directing you. I'm not wandering around Musicians come here tonight. I'm not wandering around here in ambiguity. What are you doing? I, I don't know. The Bible says, be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the hope that is in you. One of you young men find that on the front row. 2 Peter 3.21. Somewhere. Go, go, go get it. 2 Peter chapter 3. Yeah. You have Bibles over there? Nobody's got a Bible. Dear Lord, we're in trouble. If... There's some really nice Bibles in the bookstores. They're called the Premier Study Bible. Second <laughs> Peter, Second Peter, somewhere. Be ready to give an answer of the hope that is in you. You you better be ready to give an answer. 
I'm not wandering around in ambiguity. What are you doing? Well, I, I think I'm living for God, but I'm not sure. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm wandering around in a daze. I go to church often, but I really don't know what I'm doing. I have no, no understanding of what the focus and the power behind what I'm doing. No, I'm not wandering around in ambiguity. I'm, I'm clarifying my purpose for existence. Don't turn to philosophy in some philosophy class to determine what, who am I? How did I get here? Why am I here? What is the problem? These are all big questions that philosophy answers. Go to the scripture and say, I'm going to determine what my existence is. I'm existing in a world, but I am not just something that happened to be here. God has put me in a framework, and he has called me into a mission that is the greatest mission on earth. You, you, you're not going to get it from Hollywood. You're not going to get it from politicians. You might as well. If you're looking for politicians to give you a mission, my, you, you, you are going to fail miserably because all that comes out of that world is a mess. not going to get it there. You're not going to get it in the financial world and economics, but you can get it if you dig yourself into the word and say, God, I want you to, to define my existence. And that's what I'm talking about tonight. It's a mission of God, the agenda that God places and gives us the ability to reach out and grasp it and to hang on to it and to hold on to it. I'm not walking around in ambiguity. Praise God. And I'm, I'm, I want to tell you emphatically, that takes some time and that takes some effort you got to get this for yourself. Why do you exist? Why are you here? Well, because my parents made me come. That's going to get you nowhere. That's good for a period of time, but at some point, you got to make a determination on your own. I'm connecting to the mission of God and the work of God, and I'm going to impact a world for greater things. I'm going to reconcile the world back to what God really intends. Not a distorted world but a world in which God intended. So I'm not wandering around in ambiguity. And this is very, very important. Neither am I wandering around with some kind of drift to where there's a gradual erosion of defining purpose and all of a sudden boredom sets in. You come to the house of God and you sit there and you say, man, I'm bored, something's wrong. Something's wrong with understanding the mission of God. You need to go back to, to the reason why I exist and let the reason why you exist become the drive that is in you to reach out to a world. And instead of drifting away from things that matter, having a love for the truth, a love for the truth, a love for the truth. We're sitting over there getting ready to plan for this service, waiting for everybody to get in and make sure all the details were taken care of. Brother Laren Kaufman opened the door and the first thing out of his mouth was, men and brethren, what shall we do? Why'd he say that? Who cares? Where did that come from? Does he have a problem? No, he's in love with the fact that that question is asked repeatedly in a numerous in numerous cases that's all connected to he didn't know what I was preaching tonight but that's exactly what I was talking about there's no drift there's no ambiguity i know the mission of god is anchoring me to a new birth experience and people ask that very question and every time they ask that question there was an answer somebody had an answer peter had an answer 
Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch had an answer. And so this is the thing that fires me up and creates a, a passion and an energy. I can't drift off of that. I, got, I have to allow that to be a strength. And lastly, there's no confusion, which is a failure to orient one's message to changing circumstances. This message, Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, we live in a different time, and so, you know, we need to strip away some of the things that maybe not be quite as palatable, palatable to some people. You know, baptism is not really something that's essential, but it's something that follows. It's a work of grace that follows. It's not something that is necessary. And so if, if you apostolics would strip away some of that stuff, you'd be more palatable to a world. I'm convinced that that's the absolute wrong message to send to anybody. Because if, 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 if there's no ambiguity and you know what the mission is and there's no drift and you're still driving the same message that the early church was driving, then there's going to be a strength and there's not going to be any confusion. And people sitting in the, in the pews will not be confused about why they are here and what they are doing and the purpose for their life. The purpose for their life is to be called of God. A purpose and a direction and a destiny of God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God has given you great opportunity great opportunity to be involved in his direction and his will. Don't take it lightly, but recognize the opportunity and the privilege that comes with being a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm writing to you at Rome called to be saints, the saints at Rome. He talked about saints and other people, the saints in Corinth. We're the saints in Bakersfield. We are the saints of Bakersfield. We are the called ones in this city. How about, how, how about we, we grab a hold of the mandate and the mission and we turn the world upside down around us? We turn the world upside down around us. Praise God. And we approach it with passion and power and fervor and inspiration as we stand together in the house of God tonight. God has called us to that great calling and that great mission. Let's give him thanks tonight that we have and are in this place and have been given the opportunity, amen, to be involved in something that is greater than ourselves, amen. said let's let's all give thanks that God has called praise God thank you Jesus for your blessing and your goodness you've called us to greater things you've called us to reconcile a world reach out and respond and do the work of what God in Christ has done and that is a reconciling work.
You've given to us opportunity when we stand before you and know we live in trying times. But greater are you than he that is in the world. And you provided to us the empowerment, the strength, and the anointing to say what needs to be said, to reach out where someone needs to be reached, to teach where something needs to be taught, to preach where something needs to be preached. Hallelujah. To be an example where we need to exemplify the kingdom of God. We give to you thanks and we praise you. And we worship you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.